that God's grace is sufficient, amen? amen? And the reality is that whether we know it or not, whether we're conscious of it or not, we are all recipients of grace. We've all been given things that we do not deserve, especially life in Jesus. Hey, today, uh, I'm in the mood of Thanksgiving. I don't know about you, but um, I've been so blessed to be around family and friends uh, the last few days. Let me just move this up here. And um, I'm, still, I'm, I'm still just very, I'm, I'm reeling, <laughs> reeling from God's grace. And so here's what I want us to do just for a second. I want us to kind of get our minds thinking a little bit before we dive into the Word of God. Uh, something I've been thinking a lot about lately is actually teaching my youngest he just turned one a couple of weeks ago, teaching him some words, all right? You know, obviously we've been talking to him, you know, trying to communicate, this is daddy, can you say daddy? You know, those kinds of things. Um, obviously, Debbie's, been, mommy, this is mommy. Uh, we've been trying to teach him his name, Jaden, things like that. We've been trying to teach him his sister's name, Jenna, etc. And so just kind of, it's been on my mind that these are the kinds of things that we want to teach early on. We want to teach relationships early on. But there's another word that I've been trying to teach very early on, and that is how to say thank you. Amen. Think about it. Uh, for those of you who are parents or who have had young ones in the past in your sphere of influence, when did you try to teach your kids how to say thank you? Hopefully sooner than later, right? <laughs> now, now let's think about this. Why? Why would we want to teach our kids from a young age to know how to say thank you and when to say thank you, right? Just something to think about. But right now, what I want us to do is find someone near to us, find a neighbor, and ask each other, okay, when I say thank you or when I teach my children to say thank you, what are we really trying to communicate? What are we really trying to say, okay? So take about 30 seconds, and I want to hear some deep, profound thoughts come from this congregation, okay? All right, so, so turn to your neighbor, 30 seconds. What are we really trying to say when we say thank you? Ready, set, go. You've got 15 seconds. Dig a little deeper. <laughs> what are we trying to say when we say thank you? Okay. Five, four, three, two, one. Okay. What are we really trying to say when we say thank you? I want to hear from you, and I don't want to hear the word thanks. Okay. <laughs> All right. What do we got? I appreciate you. I appreciate you. Okay. Appreciate. Okay. Showing value in that. Okay. What else? What else did you come up with? We're grateful. Grateful. Okay. All right. Now, what do we mean when we say grateful? Okay. Let's, let's keep going. Okay. Whoa, whoa, hey, this is a teacher speaking. All right. <laughs> Recognizing that you were given something that you didn't have and you're acknowledging that. Is, did I catch that? Did I catch that okay? Okay, we had another one in the back. A sign, of respect. a sign of respect. That's true because think about it. When we don't say thank you, what are we really communicating then? Okay. Oh, we had some others. 
Demonstrating love. Okay, very good. Jandel? Mercy or grace? Larry, you had your hand. Okay, okay, so recognizing that someone had power to do something good, and you're acknowledging that that power actually went your way, so to speak. Okay, okay, we'll take a couple more. Okay, okay, acknowledging a service or a compliment, yeah. Boom. Okay. Realizing that you're not entitled. Okay. Uh, we'll stop right there. Okay. Okay. This is good because when I was thinking through this question, why do I want to teach my kids to say thank you? I was realizing that when my children don't say thank you, I think, well, you ungrateful, you know, <laughs> whatever. Okay. Here's the thing. I'm, I'm guarding against a sense of entitlement. Do you know what I mean by that? A sense of entitlement? Like, uh, I think this, uh, maybe Western society is kind of, uh, it, it's, it's charged with this quite a bit, that we feel entitled. We feel like we deserve this or that. And it's that habit, that simple habit of saying thank you, that actually says, wait, I wasn't entitled to this. I didn't deserve this. You had power for good that you could have extended elsewhere, but you gave it to me. Thank you for that. Are we following that today? Yes or no? Yeah? All right. So today, the message is entitled, No Thanks. No Thanks. Today, we're going to take a look at two stories in which there is no thanks. All right? And before we dig into that, we're going to bow our heads for a word of prayer. Let's pray. Father in heaven, I pray that you would instruct us and teach us in these scriptures. God, these are more than just nice stories. This is the word of the living God. And we want our hearts to be primed. We want our hearts to be open to hear what you want to speak to us. God, please give us the grace of your Holy Spirit who would guide us into all truth just now. We pray in Jesus' saving name, let everyone say, Amen. Amen. All right, open your Bibles with me to the third book of the New Testament, Luke chapter 17. We're going to the Gospel of Luke, Luke chapter 17, and we're going to find two stories in which there is no thanks. All right, Luke chapter 17, when you're there, say amen. Amen. All right, Luke chapter 17, and we're going to start just a little bit before where we read for our scripture reading. Luke chapter 17, and we're going to start in verses 5 and 6. Luke chapter 17, I'm reading from the New King James today. Luke chapter 17, verse 5, the Bible says, And the apostles said to the Lord, Increase our faith. Is that a prayer you want to pray today, yes or no? (laughs) Actually, what's very interesting, if you read just a couple verses earlier, Jesus was just instructing the disciples that we need to be willing to forgive our brothers, even repeatedly. Okay, and in response to this, the disciples are like, Are you kidding me? Increase my faith. Okay, so the, impo- the apostles are praying a prayer we all pray. Increase our faith. And notice how Jesus responds. Verse 6, So the Lord said, If you have faith as a mustard seed, you can say to this mulberry tree, Be pulled up by the roots and be planted in the sea, and it would obey you. That's huge. The faith, he says, even if your faith isn't huge, it can do huge things. So 
in response to the disciples' desire for more faith, Jesus says, look, it's not more faith, it's the exercise of your faith that is necessary. Whether it's little or much, the key is, do we exercise what we have in terms of faith? And so, in this, in this response to how do we have more faith, this is, this is the question that triggers these two stories of no thanks, okay? Here we go, we're going to start in verse 7, story number 1. And which of you, having a servant, plowing or tending sheep, will say to him when he has come in from the field, Come at once and sit down to eat? But will he not rather say to him, Prepare something for my supper, and gird yourself and serve me till I have eaten and drunk, and afterward you will eat and drink? Okay, I don't know if we're following along. Jesus has just kind of launched into a story that maybe we're not quite familiar with. There's a master and a servant. The servant is doing his duty. The servant is doing his business. And when the, when the servant comes home, is the master going to say, hey, let me, let me uh, give you something to eat now. Let me reciprocate that. This is uh, the kind of relationship that was taking place there. And in verse 9, notice, does he thank that servant because he did the things that were commanded him? I think, what's the next word in your Bible? I think not. So likewise you, when you have done all those things which you have commanded, say, we are unprofitable servants, we have done what was our duty to do. Now, what in the world is Jesus talking about? <laughs> Jesus is, is, is painting a scenario of someone who is kind of over someone else. Let's say employer and employee, okay? Um, the employee does what is part of his job description, whatever is part of her job description, and when that individual does that, does the employer, is the employer expected to say thank you, yes or no, according to this parable? No, right? The point is this. The individual did was what, what was expected or what was assigned. Let's say, for example, a teacher. A teacher has a student who submits his or her homework, okay? Is the teacher going to say thank you or should the teacher say thank you to the student, yes or no? It's not expected. Why? Because the student was simply doing his duty. Now, if the student gave an apple, if the student brought a Thanksgiving or a Christmas gift, would the teacher say thank you, yes or no? Yes. Yeah, because that was outside of the expectation. That was outside of the duty. Do you follow that today, yes or no? Yeah? Okay. And so in verse 10, Jesus concludes this parable and says, So likewise you, when you have done all those things which you are commanded, Say, we are unprofitable servants. We have done what was our duty to do. Now, Jesus isn't prescribing that we all feel shame upon ourselves, that, oh, we are worthless. No, he's saying, look, we, we didn't bring you extra profit. We, we just did what was expected of us. We didn't benefit you in any excessive sort of fashion. Okay, so Jesus is setting a master-servant relationship in which no thanks is expected. No thanks is proper. Now, story number two, okay? Story number two, verse 11, it says this. Now it happened as he, speaking of Jesus, as Jesus went to Jerusalem that he passed through the midst of Samaria and Galilee, okay? Two territories that are kept far, far apart because of inter interaction and social uh, history, things like that. And Jesus is kind of passing through this no-man's land of sorts. And in verse 12, it says, Then as he entered a certain village, there met him how many men? 
ten men who were lepers who stood afar off. Now, leprosy in that day and age, and even today, leprosy has some pretty, pretty uh, surprising effects. Okay, physically speaking, leprosy can be very disabling. Leprosy in that day and age was something that kept, it really kept people uh, ostracized from, from large societies. And so lepers developed their own leper colonies, etc., etc. And leper, these ten men, they stood afar off. And in verse 13, what did they do? It says, they lifted up their voices and said, Jesus, what? Master, have mercy on us. Okay, just, just make the observations as we're kind of crawling along at a snail's pace. They call out to Jesus, but they call him Master, have mercy on us. So it's a picture of ten men who recognize their deep need and they're calling out for mercy. They're calling out for mercy from one whom they recognize is their master. That word master, by the way, only Luke uses this word in the Gospel of Luke. It's one who stands over. So these individuals are recognizing that Jesus is someone who is above them. Jesus is someone who has power over them. And he's calling out for mercy. They're calling out for mercy. And in verse 14 it says, So when he saw them, he said to them, Go, show yourselves to the priests, and so it was that as they went, they were cleansed. Praise the Lord. <laughs> that at the word of Jesus, whatever had separated us from those we loved, whatever had debilitated us, at the word of Jesus, you and I can have mercy. Amen. And as they went, they were cleansed. Amen. In verse 15, the story continues. And it says, and one of them when he saw that he was healed, returned. And with a loud voice, what did he do? Gave glory to God. He glorified God. And in verse 16, fell down on his face at his feet, giving him what? Thanks. And he was a Samaritan. Slow down just a little bit with me. In verses 15 and 16, what are the things that make this individual stand out from the rest that he was with? According to verse 15, it says, one of them, when he saw that he was healed, obviously all ten of them saw that they were healed, right? As they were going, they realized, hey, change is happening in our bodies. What is going on here? And one out of the ten, one of them actually makes the effort to return, right? One of them is intentional to turn back, and with a loud voice, only one of them verbally, humbly, and noticeably gives God thanks. These are the things that set him apart. But there's one other one. At the end of verse 16 it says, and he was a Samaritan. The implication is that the other nine were not, right? The other nine were not foreigners. The other nine were actually part of God's chosen people. Catch this because I think this is probably the biggest detail in this story. He was a Samaritan. He was not of the chosen people, but the other nine were. Here's the danger. The, God's chosen people should have been foremost in giving God the glory. Amen. God's chosen people should have been the, the, the ones who were immediately recognizing that God had given them grace. But instead, the nine in this story 
went on with no thanks. Interesting, because there's a danger. The more we receive of God's goodness, the more we end up taking that goodness for granted. Do you you follow what I mean? Uh, The the more we become familiar with God's grace, the more uh, prone we are to take it lightly or feel entitled to it. So here's the thing. This one who actually turned around, this one who actually gave thanks, is one who is recognizing grace. Let me say that again. The one who turns around is the one who recognizes grace. And I'm not just, uh, you know, I'm not just arbitrarily putting those two words together, thanks and grace. Actually, the Greek word for thanks has at its root grace. If you look at the parable of, of, that we read before in Luke chapter 17, verse 9, when it says, does he thank that servant? The literal Greek translation says, he has no grace. That's what it says. The Greek, instead of saying thanks, it says, he has no grace. In other words, the master in that parable did not recognize that he was given something undeservedly. The master in that parable did not recognize that he was given something that he didn't merit. That's what the master-servant parable was teaching us. But apparently, those who didn't give thanks to Jesus, do you realize that they were putting themselves in a master position in relation to Jesus? Here's what's happening. The Samaritan falls on his face. He realizes he just received something he didn't deserve. The other nine, in the fact that they didn't say thank you, they were essentially admitting that they had received something they deserved. And when you, put, when you connect the dots, these stories, I think, they're intentionally put together. Story number one, we'll put it over here. Story number one, master does not thank his servant because he hasn't received something he, did, he didn't deserve. Master has no grace. Master doesn't, uh, is not aware of anything he didn't merit. And here, even though all ten lepers say, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. Even though they all pay lip service to Jesus' mastership, only one actually recognizes that Jesus is the Master. The other nine, when there's no thanks, there's no grace. Let me say it like this. When there's no, when there's no uh, acknowledgement of thanks, there's no awareness of grace given. Do you follow that today, yes or no? Which, which speaks to the huge importance of actually giving God our thanks. Let's think about this just for a second. The implications are huge. The implications of of the meaning of thanksgiving, the implications of just that simple act of saying thank you, it's more than just a cultural nicety. It's more than just, uh, you know, something to say after someone does something favorable to you. It's actually a recognition of something you didn't deserve. And so giving thanks If the Samaritan who is cleansed has anything to teach us about giving thanks, let me suggest that first, it shows that giving thanks requires intentionality. 
Giving thanks requires that we do something about it and not just assume. It's easy. I I know maybe you thought like this. It's easy to assume that God knows I'm thankful. (laughs) God knows that I'm thankful. Well, sure, he might know that you're thankful, but do you know that you've received grace? When we assume that God knows that I'm thankful, we end up assuming to our danger we end up assuming that we know that we're undeserving. The, 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 the danger is that we may not always recognize that. And so giving thanks requires intentionality. The other thing is this. Second, uh, giving thanks recalibrates our relationship to God. Re, let, me, let me say this. I don't know how, how to make this more clear. Giving thanks recalibrates or repositions our relationship to God. In other words, when we say thank you to God, we really recognize that he's the master and that we're not. (laughs) When we say it, when we say it, we are acknowledging that the one who is over us is him and we are not over him. Here's the problem. The other nine who, who went their way, they were tacitly admitting that they deserved what Jesus gave them. They were tacitly admitting that they were the master and Jesus was the servant. Now here's the thing. Jesus himself, he says, like even though he is king of kings, lord of lords, in Matthew 20 verse 28, he says, I came not to be served but to serve. So we serve a master who actually wants to serve us. Do you realize that? Now that's a beautiful thing. In Psalm 84, verse 10, it says that uh, God gives us grace and glory. He is a sun and shield. He will not withhold any good thing from those who walk uprightly. In other words, it's part of God's heart to give good gifts to his children. In Romans chapter 8, verse 32, if God did not spare his only son, how will he not with him also give us all things? God knows how to give good grace. He is that kind of master who came not to be served, but to serve. Now, the danger of that is that we are constantly receiving grace from God. But are we constantly giving thanks to recognize that all of that stuff is stuff we don't deserve? And if we're not giving thanks, be careful, because we may end up putting ourselves in a master position to Jesus. You know what the difference is between dogs and cats? Do we have any dog lovers in the house tonight? (laughs) Maybe some cat lovers too, or maybe we can battle it out over potluck. Here's the difference. Here's the difference. I heard my friend tell me, and I think this is spot on. A dog will look at someone who feeds him, who bathes him, who gives him a warm place at night to sleep, and the dog says, He is my master. A cat will look at someone who feeds him. I don't know if cat owners bathe your cats. Cats like to do that themselves. A cat will will look at someone who gives gives him a, a warm place to sleep at night, and the cat says, I am his master. (laughs) <laughs> you catch that? You see the difference? Uh, yeah, yeah, you know this is true. <laughs> but here's the thing. We can look at those gifts and come to the conclusion one or two ways. Those who, who went their way uh, all the way without turning back, 
to thank Jesus, saw all the gifts and said, I am his master. The one who turned back and said, thank you. said, he is my master. Giving thanks recalibrates our relationship to God. We are not entitled to God's grace. We are not. And if you think you are, think again. (laughs) We are not entitled, but God has promised his grace to us. It's a simple message today, but I want us to, to think about what we're going to do about it. If giving thanks requires intentionality, and if giving thanks is so important that it actually keeps our relationship with God straight, if it actually recalibrates it in such a way that, yeah, we acknowledge who he is and we acknowledge who we're not. If giving thanks is that important, then what are we going to do this week to give thanks? What are we going to do this week to be intentional about setting a relationship right with Jesus? Can I suggest two things this week? Two simple things. If you want, you can write them down so you can remember. Two things. First one is to pray your thanks. Okay? Pray your thanks. The second one is to publish your thanks. Now let me explain just a little bit. The first one is this. Pray your thanks. Pray your thanks. Have, maybe <laughs> maybe you, you're in one of those stretches where your prayers, if you were to record your prayers on a little tape recorder and play them back to yourself, it sounds like this. Please God, please God, please God, please God. Is anybody in one of those valleys right now? <laughs> Or maybe, maybe your, your prayer life sounds more like a to-do list for God. What if you tried this? For the next seven days, before you even ask God anything, tell him thank you for everything. Amen. To pray your thanks. Or maybe you want to think of it like this. To bookend your prayers with thanksgiving. Before you launch into your Christmas wish list, you know, before you launch into those petitions that are really weighing you down, friend, take time to acknowledge the grace God has already given you and say thank you. What is that going to do? It's going to change the way you petition God. Why? Because you've acknowledged grace. Oh, he has given this. He has done this. He has done this. No longer will your petition be one of anxiety. God, I don't know if you can it's going to be one full of faith. That's why, that's why Philippians 4, 6, and 7, let's turn there really quickly. Can you find that? Philippians. Philippians is in the New Testament. If you're in Luke, go to the right. Philippians, if you've passed the Corinthians, you'll start getting into Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians. Philippians chapter 4. This is powerful. Philippians chapter 4, verses 6 and 7. Philippians 4, verses 6 and 7. When you're there, say, I found it. Okay. All right, Philippians 4, 6, and 7. Here, Paul is writing to the Philippians. If you have a chance to read this letter, this Sabbath, this is full of joy. It's full of confidence. Even though life is not full of joy, we can have joy in the Lord. All right, reading from verse 6. The Bible says, Be anxious for everything. Oh, oh, oh. <laughs> Let's read that again. Be anxious for a few things. No, no, no. The Bible actually says be anxious for nothing. Be anxious for nothing. How in the world can we possibly be anxious for nothing? He goes on. 
but in everything by prayer and supplication with what else? Thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. In other words, when we're making our requests known to God, it should be with thanksgiving. Thank you, God, for what you've given. Thank you, God, for what you've done. Now, as I'm looking at my circumstance, I know you've done it for me in the past, so please continue to do it for me in the present. And I said earlier, maybe bookend your petitions with thanks. So after you make your petition known, say, thanks God for listening. Thanks God, even before I've seen results. Thank you by faith that you're the one who is already responding. Bookend your prayer with thanksgiving. And notice the promise of verse 7. What happens when we do this? When we say our prayers with thanksgiving, it says in verse 7, And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. How many of you long for that peace today? Man, sometimes we, we come to God with prayer, please God, please God, please God, right? And we don't feel as though that prayer time was very peaceful. Well, it's because we've been full of anxiety in that please God, please God, please God mode. But if we pray with thanksgiving, then our petitions are full of faith. Then our petitions are guarded and surrounded by the peace that passes all understanding. Okay, so I had two take-home challenges. One is to pray your thanks. Uh, whether it's uh, each day this week, before you make known any petition to God, say thank you for the things he's already done. Or maybe you want to bookend your prayers. Actually, I did this once for 24 hours. I didn't ask God for anything. I just thanked him. Try that. Try that out. You're going to kneel before, or you're going to bow your head before your food, and you're not going to, wait, I'm not supposed to ask for God's blessing? Okay, let me just thank him for the, providing this. Okay, try it out. Maybe for 24 hours, maybe for 36, I don't know how long. Try just thanking God for things and not asking him for anything. All right, see what happens to your faith then. Okay, so pray your thanks. Here's the second take-home challenge. Publish your thanks. In other words, if you've recognized God's grace, you've acknowledged it, acknowledge it out loud. Publish it so that someone else can benefit from it too. Maybe it's in a day-to-day -day conversation. Hey, how are you doing today? Oh, busy. But I'm thankful for the grace that God has given. How are you doing today? Oh, man. You know, last week was horrible. But praise the Lord, it's a new day. Publish your thanks in conversation. Publish your thanks in text. Publish your thanks in a post. I don't know, so many times people turn to Facebook and just kind of spill their guts out on Facebook. Oh, life is horrible. What if we published our thanksgiving? What if? Then maybe our faith would be strengthened like the disciples were asking for at the beginning. Increase our faith. No wonder. No wonder that after this, uh, in Luke chapter 17, when the apostles say, increase our faith, Jesus turns to thanks. Because somehow, acknowledging the grace of God actually exercises our faith in him. So, what will it be for you? Will you pray your thanks this week? Will you publish your thanks this week? What are you going to do this week to be intentional about recalibrating your relationship with God? All right. How many of you are willing to take one of those suggestions home this week? Yeah? Amen. Amen. All right. Next week when we get together, uh, our preschool will be leading us through 
um, a, a powerful Christmas service. Um, but I want to take time for you to actually report to each other the way that God has given you the gift of thanks. Okay, so let's bow our heads together as we pray. Father, again, we recognize that 24-7 we are recipients of your grace. Amen. That breath is a gift. Amen. And so is the next. And so is the next. Lord, I pray that this would be more than just a, a, an affirmation of cultural norms. I pray that this would be more than just an exercise of positive thinking, but that this would be living by your word this week. Lord, it's true. There are many times when we haven't given you thanks, that when there's no thanks, we aren't aware of the grace that's around us. And so, Lord, we're sorry for that. We just want to confess that and be honest with you that many times we have put ourselves in a master position in relationship to you. And Father, this week, we as a church, we as families, and we as individuals, we just want to put ourselves back where we belong as the humble, undeserving recipients of your gifts. So this week, as we pray, please give us the gift of thanksgiving. This week, as we, as we communicate with others, give us intentionality about communicating our thanks to others. And may we find, as a result, that the promise of Philippians 4-7 is true, that the peace of God would actually guard our hearts and minds. May we find that the petition of the apostles in Luke 17-5 is fulfilled in us, that our faith would increase as a result of this. Thank you, God, that your word is true, that your word is living, and may we live in that word this week. We pray in Jesus' saving name, let everyone say, Amen. Amen. Amen.